<laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I count it as great privilege and a wonderful honor to be in this great and a wonderful church of West Overhills. I'm so grateful to our beloved pastor, Jim, and his wife, Denise, and the entire church leadership for extending your invitation for me to come and uh, be among you, but also share the word of God. But before I share, I would like first to take time to do two things. First, I want to sincerely thank you, West Overhills Church, for your partnership, for your sacrificial giving unto the work of Africa and Tanzania in particular, and for your earnest prayers which you are offering for us. I want you to know that your sacrificial giving and your prayers and your support and partnership is making a difference in Africa and Tanzania in particular. It makes an impact in our work in Tanzania. For the past 12 years of our partnership, God has done some phenomenal and exciting things in Tanzania. Our churches, our churches has grown. When we started our partnership, we had only 2,600 churches all over the country of Tanzania. But for the past 12 years, we have added thousands and thousands of churches. And now we are at more than 13,000 churches <laughs> spread across the country. And uh, we as the country, we are facing an enormous challenges of outreach, the challenges of planting churches to over 40,000 places without a Bible-believing church, and the challenges of addressing the adjunct poverty situation of our people. And we believe as the body of Christ, we cannot address all those challenges by ourselves. We need all the partnership and all the networking we can get. That's why I am here also to appeal to you, West Overhills Church, to continue in your partnership with us as we win Tanzania and Africa for Jesus. 
particularly, I would like to request to have a special request to Pastor Jim Ryan and uh, your wife, Denise, to invest more of your time in Tanzania. With all multiplication of pastors now, over 13,000 of them, a lot of mentoring, a lot of coaching, a lot of training, and a lot of teaching is required so that those pastors can be empowered and they can be sharpened in their skills, their competence, their knowledge, in further conserving the harvest in Tanzania, but also propelling the harvest. And with your experience of ministry for over 40 years, I believe your investment in teaching and the training will be of great deal. So, Pastor, please welcome and uh, uh, Sister Denise, you are welcome to cook for our pastor. <laughs> in Tanzania, and uh, we are ready for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> partnership doors in Tanzania are wide open. Come one and come all, and all the people said amen. amen. Let us now get into the word of God. The title of my sharing is Passion for Harvest. Passion for Harvest. Our text is the book of Luke, chapter 19, and verse 10. The book of Luke, chapter 19, and verse 10. The Bible reads, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Let us pray. Father, empower me now as I share your word, for my total dependence is on you. Open our hearts so that your word will be imprinted in us and cause us to have great passion of harvest, of winning the whole wide world for you. We commit ourselves unto you as we share together your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Passion for harvest. God desires that everyone be reached with the life-transforming power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is out there looking for men and women who share a passion for those people without Christ. Jesus, the Bible says, came to seek and to save what was lost. And that remains to be the primary focus of we, the church of Jesus Christ. For the Bible says, God wants all men to be saved. 
and to come to the knowledge of truth. The Bible also says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God does not want anybody to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I pray that you will fully experience God's passion for millions and billions around the world who are waiting to hear that they are also loved by God. And I pray that God's passion for harvest become our passion. God's vision for us as a church is to be more passionate for harvest. The person who is passionate for souls is the one who is connected with God through caring for the lost, through evangelism. And God is out there looking for men and women who are biblically committed to receive a vision from him, to create goals, strategies, and overcome obstacles and mobilize the church of Jesus Christ to go out and preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. In today's message, we will look at the meaning of passion and review the historical examples of passion for harvest. First, what is passion? And I'll give two, two definitions of, of passion. One definition will be of general definition, and the second one will be of the biblical definition. The general definition of passion the root word of passion in Latin means to suffer for, to suffer for. Passion is what you hunger for so intensely that you will sacrifice anything to have it. Passion is force burning in you which seizes you, literally captures you. Passion is power that moves you beyond ordinary human activity. Passion will not you let you go until God's goals are reached. Passion is the fire and the urgency that visions need to remain alive and active. Let us look at the second definition, which is the biblical definition of passion. For prophet Jeremiah, 
Passion is a fire that comes from God and cannot be extinguished. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, the Bible states, But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. For Apostle Peter, passion is a compelling conviction that has to be obeyed. A compelling conviction that has to be obeyed. In Acts chapter 4, verses 18 to 20, the Bible reads, The Sanhedrin they called in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied to them, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. Verse 20, For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. For Apostle Peter, passion is a compelling conviction that has to be obeyed. For Apostle Paul, Passion is crucified life lived by faith in Christ. Crucified life lived by faith in Christ. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Apostle Paul declares, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For Apostle Paul, passion is a crucified life lived by faith in Christ. Beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord, I pray that we as the church individually and corporately, we will give ourselves to fulfill the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ and can identify with Jeremiah the prophet, with Peter the apostle, and with Paul. I pray that our soul be filled with passion of soul winning, and may the fire of the Holy Spirit keep burning in all of us. Secondary, historical examples of passion. Let us now look some historical examples of history, I mean of passion from church history. Church history tells us that in the 18th century, God worked mightily through a group of passionate European leaders to win millions of souls to Christ. 
Their passionate influence helped the church to take the gospel around the world and literally changed the course of history. One of those men who is a historical example of passion is by the name John Wesley. Church history tell us John Wesley was a leader of revival in England. And he declared, let us all be of one business. We live only for this, to save our souls and the souls of those who hear us. Let us all be of one business. We live only for this, to save our souls and the souls of those who hear us. God used Jane Wesley to bring revival and a transformation in England. Today, more than 60 million people all over the world owe their spiritual heritage to his passionate ministry. The second historical example is John Knox. Church history tells us John Knox is, is known as a leader of revival in Scotland. When John Knox's wife pleaded with him to get some sleep, you see, John Knox's wife will go to John Knox again and again. My sweet husband, why don't you come and sleep? And John Knox replied back to his wife. He answered, how can I sleep when my land is not saved? How can I sleep when my land is not saved? The Bible, I mean, church history tells us he would often pray all night in agonizing tones, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Indeed, God shook Scotland. Indeed, God gave him Scotland. The third example of passion for harvest in church history is George Whitefield. George Whitefield. He's known to be in history the 18th century British evangelist. Whitefield prayed so often, and this is how he prayed. Oh Lord, give me souls, or take my soul. Oh Lord, give me souls, or take my soul. In other words, for him to live was about winning souls. 
If nothing is done, if nothing is accomplished in winning souls, then for him, there is no reason for living at all. In other words, life become meaningless. And so he prayed, O oh Lord, give me souls or take my soul. The fourth example of passion in church history is William Booth. Booth is known in history to be the founder of Salvation Army. Church history tells us once the king of England invited him for a meal. And as they were dining and enjoying the meal, then the king of England asked William Booth a question. And the question was, what the ruling force of his life was? What is the passion of his life? And the booth replied back to the king of England, Sir, some man's passion is for fame. And the other's passion is for money. And other people's passion is for position or for power. But he said, my passion, my passion is for souls. Beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord, what is your passion? Jesus came, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. And the God desires that everyone in this world be reached with the life-transforming power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The missiologists or the mission scholars tell us about the remaining task of outreach. According to the statistics, world population today stands at 7.83 billion. 7.83 billion. Of which 3.29 billion, about 42% of the world population are still unreached. They remain to be reached and are still asking the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord, the Bible clearly tells us the fields are ripe. For harvest. In the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 35 to 36, the Bible states, 
Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. The Bible also, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to 38, states that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The Bible states, when he saw the clouds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, the Gospels indicate that Jesus had compassion for the needy people. And when he saw them, he didn't see them as others saw them. And he did something about them. For we read in Gospels, when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he saw a soul in need of salvation. And he had compassion on him. And he did something significant about his situation. For the Bible says, when Jesus saw blind Bartimaeus, he saw a soul in need of a miracle. And the Bible says, Jesus had compassion on him, and he did something about it. When Jesus saw a woman with a bleeding disorder, he saw a soul in need of healing, and he did something about it. When Jesus saw Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, he saw souls in need of supernatural intervention, and he had compassion on them, and he did something significant about it. Jesus didn't see the needed people as others saw them. He saw them as people whom he came to save. He saw them as people whom he came to heal. He saw them as people whom he came to deliver, and he did something about it. Today, all over the world, we have people. All over San Antonio, Texas, United States, Tanzania, and around the world, we have people. Today, even in our workplace, in our business, in our schools, in our clans, and everywhere, we have people who are 
the lonely souls, the lost souls, the disappointed souls, the rejected souls, the angry souls, the hurting souls. They all have one thing in common. They need to be reached with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and they need to be saved. Jesus came for the needy people who sit in sin so that they might be brought out of sin and into his glorious, glorious salvation. Jesus came for needy people who sit in bondage so that they might be brought out of bondage and unto his perfect, I mean perfect freedom. Jesus came for needy people who sit in brokenness so that they might be brought out of brokenness and unto his wonderful, wonderful holiness. Jesus came for people who are tormented by the spirit of death so that they might be brought out of death and unto eternal, I mean eternal life. They all need a savior. They all need to be reached with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus commands us, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. All means all. I pray for us today that we will fully experience God's passion for the harvest in our life. And God's passion comes from him. We cannot light this fashion, I mean this fire, in ourselves. We cannot produce it by ourselves. No man can kindle in himself that celestial fire. It must come from the cool, from the altar above. That's why in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 8, Jesus is inviting all of us, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find it. Keep knocking and the door will be open unto you. For the Bible states in the book of James chapter 1 verse 7, every good and a perfect gift comes from God. And I believe with all my heart, since God's passion is for the lost, therefore, 
God is more than ready to give us his heart of passion for the harvest than we are ready to receive it. For we are God's missional people. The Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Spirit. And the Spirit indwells in us. Sending us out into the darkness of this world to implement the victory that Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. So that those who sit in darkness might be brought out of that darkness and unto his marvelous, marvelous, marvelous light. In Tanzania, God is reigniting the Tanzania Assemblies of God with godly passion for the great harvest of winning the lost world with the gospel than ever before in our church history. And we use church planting as our main means of doing evangelism. And we have seen it to be very effective. Our goals in the next 13 years, year 2020 to 2033, is to raise 35,000 new pastors. Is to plant 30,000 new churches. And our third goal is to add 7.7 million new members. And our clarion call, our battle cry, is 13 years of revival fire. We want God and his power. You want to try it? I will say 13 years of revival fire. And then you do like this. We want God and his power. Okay, here we go. 13 years of revival fire. We want God and his power. We can do better than that. 13 years of revival fire. We want God and his power. We can do better than that. Come on. 13 years of revival fire. We want God and his power. Yes. <laughs> Beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we will see Tanzania reached for Jesus because of your partnership, because of your prayers, and because of your support. In our strategy of church planting, we train a church planter in a pastor's training schools. One of which West Over Hills you are supporting to build. And once they are trained, then we plant him or her 
in unreached area and he or she becomes a spark of a new church. Let me tell you a story of one of our church planters who graduated from our pastor's training school, one of which you support. The Lord called our church planter, Thomas, and his wife to go and plant a new church on the slope of Mount Kilimanjaro in an area called Rombo. As they were going on with the work, one night, the Lord awakened Thomas to take his wife and go higher up the mountain to pray an overnight prayer. They both obeyed, left the house, and they went to pray. And as they prayed, they saw their enemies from another religious group came to their house, barred the doors, and they set fire to the thatch roof. Thomas and his wife lost everything, but their lives were spared. When they walked through the village the next morning, most people thought they were seeing ghosts. The fire caused a great loss, but their safety, the safety of Thomas and his wife, caused the people to listen to his bold proclamation of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that led to the salvation of several in the area on Mount Kilimanjaro. And now, from this one church alone, 30 new churches were started. Hold on, the story is not yet over. And out of 30 churches, which has been started in an area, these churches has gone out and planted 172 new daughters congregations. What a passion. As I conclude, brothers and sisters in the Lord, I ask that God will fill us with his passion from on high. Just as he did to Thomas, our church planter Thomas, just as he did to prophet Jeremiah, apostle Peter, and apostle Paul, just as he did in church history to John Wesley, to John Knox, to George Whitefield, and William Booth, may God fill us with the same and even more passion for harvest. For I believe with all my heart, not a single individual in this world is beyond the help of our almighty God. And our God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. If 
he did it for them, he can do it through us, in us and through us. For God's power surpasses any power in the universe. For Jesus' greatness far surpasses any other greatness in the universe. And Jesus' authority far surpasses any other authority in the universe. That's why I believe Jesus and only Jesus is the true answer for our world today. And let us all be diligent about saving souls. Will we, will we arise on our feet, please? I want our pastor to pray for all of us. You are here after receiving this message. And receiving this sharing, you say, Pastor, I want to rededicate my life in winning San Antonio, Texas, United States, Tanzania, and the world to Christ. I want to rededicate my life. I want to recommit my life. I want God's passion to be reignited in my life. And I want to Commit myself to soul winning of my neighbors, of my fellow workers, of my fellow students. If that's the commitment you want to make today, we want to pray for you so that God will empower you and enable you and fill you with his passion. Let me see how many of you want to make that commitment. Will you put up your hand? You want to make that commitment? Will we put one of our hands on our chest and let us raise another hand on high as our pastor is praying for us? Welcome, yes. pastor. Father, we just pray that we will have a new passion for souls. For the, the neighbor, the co-worker, the person in the cubicle down the hallway, for the customer, for the businessman, for, for that person in our class, for that instructor. God, that let us see people as you see people. Sometimes in our, our daily duties, we look past people. Help us, God, to see people and to look into people as you see them. Reacquaint us, God, with the need to share the love of God, to be salt and light wherever we go. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. As I close this out, let me share with you. In Tanzania, we have taken on another project, a training center. Training centers are going to be scattered throughout the country of Tanzania because these dear people do not have what you and I have and that is an automobile or a motorcycle. And that is to say, if it's not within access, many times within walking distance, they don't have access to a church or these pastors access to biblical training to be able to do their best. We have committed, Westover,
to build a training center. The cost is $75,000. And I have committed us as a church, we're going to add one. They're building 10. And Westover, we're taking on one. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to designate our kingdom builders for the month of May for a training center in Tanzania, Africa. If you would give to our building, our kingdom builders. Now, kingdom builders is not our tithe. It's up and above, and Denise and I have already given. We're going to be a part of that. We're going to say up and above our regular giving, Denise and I are going to make a commitment. And I invite you, if the Lord would prompt your heart, to designate something for the kingdom builders this month and extend God's heart to Tanzania, one of the poorest countries in Africa. But God cares for them. And there's a great work going on. And because of your partnership, we share in that joy. Thank you, Dr. Barnabas, for coming today. God bless you.